I think every one of us wants to be a better disciple. Uh, the fact that you're here right now indicates that, uh, unless you didn't want to learn how the earth is going to end, and so you weren't brave enough to go, go stand with Josh. But um, all of us want to be better disciples. And that's the purpose of uh, what we're going to do over the next nine weeks. And so we're looking at the very basics of the discipleship life. It's based on the Master Life series, some of you may have been through that, called the Disciples' Cross. Those are rather scary words, aren't they? The Disciples' Cross. Because the first thing you think of when you think of disciple is one of the 12, is it not? And, and they're kind of special. They're, they're super Christians. We kind of put them above everybody else. And, uh, and, and we think, well, I can't be those people. Uh, we don't tend to put ourselves in that category at all. But you probably didn't realize or may have forgotten that at the time, there were hundreds of disciples that followed Jesus. We only read about the 12, but if you look closely, it talks about the many other disciples who followed after him. The 12 disciples were a very special group chosen uh, to be apostles. However, they were just very ordinary people. Uh, they were people just like you and me. Uh, and they were called out for a purpose. So a disciple actually is just a student or follower of a teacher or a leader or a philosopher. We'll say that again. A disciple is really just a, I mean, the term just means a student or follower of a leader or a teacher or a philosopher. Okay, so it's a very, uh, it, it's, it's really, in some sense, you could say, we are disciples of Pastor Jake. Or we are disciples of our Sunday school teacher. That's so scary. Since I'm a Sunday school teacher, I hate to think of anybody being my disciple. That's kind of, kind of scary. Now, it didn't bother me so much when I was doing this and going, you know, being disciples of Dr. Bob would be fine, but it, it didn't sound right when I, uh, I talked about me being uh, disciples. The second scary word is that concept of a cross. So when you, when you think of cross, you think of something yeah, pretty scary, right? You think of the crucifixion. You think of the horror associated with the crucifixion. You think of perhaps uh, the burning of the cross that we sometimes associate uh, with the uh, Ku Klux Klan. The cross in and of itself is kind of a scary thing. And, and we don't, when you think about carrying the cross, that's a burden, isn't it? And so um, in, in Matthew 16:24. Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So, there was a burden to be carried. There is a burden to be carried. That being a disciple involves some additional stuff that goes along with some of what uh, we, uh, we often think of as the joy of the Christian life. We're going to look at some of, the, some of what is expected. In Matthew, the nice thing about this, in Matthew 11, verse 29 and 30, it says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, the, the nice thing about this is even though 
there are things that we need to commit to as Christians. Jesus is there uh, to lift us up and take us from there. So, being a disciple is, <laughs> is not all about going to the wedding at Cana, is it? It's not all about Jesus just throwing a big party for us and providing the punch at the end of the party. There's more to it than being a disciple. I don't know about you, but I want to be a better disciple. I'm no longer a young person. I still, I want to be a, a better disciple. Avery Willis, who wrote the material that we're working from, uh, Master Life, in case you want to look it up, we have some copies of it. These are the things he said we would hope to get through this study. One, find that taking up our cross is exciting and worth making a priority. So there's one goal we're headed for. Is taking up the cross worth making a priority? Two, understand what it means to abide in Christ. What exactly does that mean? Three, develop some skills, new skills, renovate our skills for Bible study and interpretation. Four, to experience new power in prayer. Five, find deeper fellowship with other believers. And this is all in nine weeks. This is pretty ambitious, isn't it? Number six, discover the joy of sharing your faith. The joy of sharing your faith. Eight, or I lost count. I don't, I mean, I don't have it numbered. Investing in others through ministry. And last, see Christ-like attitudes develop spontaneously. Okay, spontaneously. Now, none of what we're going to talk about is new. If you want new stuff, Go back to parenting and get some new stuff. Uh, this is not new. These are basics that we're going to talk about. But it's just like being a basketball coach. And if I use sport examples, I'll use the real sport, not the thing that uh, Jake is always picking on. You know, when you learn about basketball, you, you, the basics are things like you got to learn to move. And, and no, JR, I'm not going to do an example here. Uh, you got to learn to move your feet. Okay? You got to got to learn to move sideways uh, if you're on the court. You got to learn how to hold your elbow if you're going to take a shot. Don't tell Jeff I did this, by the way. You got to learn how to hold your elbow. You got you to learn how to make a reasonable pass instead of just throwing it crazy. Those are basics. And it really doesn't matter how far along you are. Uh, you in, invariably come back to whatever sport that is that you want to look at the basics. However, what this sport, this sport, it may be a sport before we're done. What this study is not, it's not about guilting you into trying to do something different. Okay? I don't believe in that. Uh, it, that's not what it's about. We're going to talk about things I think that it will help. Um, I often say to Trish, I say, Trish, you need to help me lose weight. And Trish, being a very wise person, says something like this. Um, Steve, until you want to lose weight, do the things that are required, like not eating so much. I cannot make it happen for you. It's pretty wise, isn't it? That's the same thing we're talking about here. It, it doesn't matter. It, you know, if I could somehow, it, it could make you feel guilty about not doing something, that's not enough. That's not the motivation, is it? It's the motivation is when we want to do it. Uh, obviously, Trish has failed at uh, uh, keeping weight off. But uh, I do ask ever so often, and she tells me the same thing. You know, one of the things, um, 
be perfect at it. We, we can't get it all done. We can't do everything that we think we ought to do. Um, so when we talk about these things, the one thing we, I, I don't ever want you to live with, leave with is go, oh, I must be some kind of dummy Christian. I don't do those things. That's, that's not right. That's, that's not about being a Christian. What we're talking about are what are some skills that can make our Christian life a stronger one, that makes us stronger Christians, and then allows us to go out and make disciples. Love God, love people, make disciples. That's for all of us. And that's not for the discipleship pastor. That is for all of us who are involved with that. So the, the thing we're going to work with is, is the disciples cross, and it's just a, a way of imaging uh, the, the, the different components of what we see as basics. Right? So we'll get to that uh, in just a minute. First question, though, am I going to be a disciple who gives everything to Christ? Am I going to be a disciple who gives everything to Christ? Have you ever reached that point in your life where you go, I'm doing it. I'm, I go to church umpteen times a week. I read my Bible. Maybe I tithe. Um, um, I, I even went to a revival two or three times. I'm doing all the right things. But I realize that Christ is not a priority in my life. He wasn't the center of my life. And Luke 9.23, that's on your sheet there. By the way, the sheets are just to help us. If you don't like sheets, throw them away. I, that's fine with me. Uh, it's just to help us uh, kind of focus where we're going to. Anyway, in Luke 9.23 there it says, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You have your pen there, underline deny, underline Deny, underline, take up, and underline daily. Now, go back and put a second line under daily. A second line under daily. Daily is going to come up over and over and over again. For those of you who come in, just came out of experiencing God, that was one of the concepts that comes up every week. Are, are, we, are, we, are we building a daily relationship? Not weekly, it's not monthly, it's not annual, it's not occasional. It should be a, a daily relationship. So we make excuses for not doing this. Lord, I'm not capable. I just can't do it. Lord, I failed so many times. Lord, why would you even want me? But in 2 Chronicles 16, 9, the scripture tells us, the eye of the Lord reigns throughout the earth to strengthen those hearts who are fully committed to him. Heaven stands still behind this microphone. It's, it's just about to drive me crazy. But So you can hear me without me having to yell at you. I'm going to stay here. So uh, <coughs> how many of you know the story of D.L. Moody? Anybody? Know the story of D.L. Moody? Anyway, apparently, uh, you know, according to whatever internet article I read, uh, D.L. Moody was listening to a preacher, and the preacher says, can you imagine what would happen to find a man who was truly committed to God? And D.L. Moody uh, said, 
I want to be that man. As a result of that, we're not talking about uh, he had a third grade education when he said this. And D.L. Moody was responsible for leading revivals that saved, that led hundreds of thousands to the Lord. I'm going to say that again. Hundreds of thousands to the Lord. We're, we're talking about the, you know, half the state of Arkansas. Dwight Moody had a hand in influencing them towards receiving Christ. But what he wanted to be was a person completely, completely sold out uh, to God. I don't, I don't know that I'm to that point. That's the scary part for me. The scary part for me is doing the study because I have to look at it three or four times. You have to hear me do it once, and I have to look at it a lot. And so uh, uh, what Jake call it this morning? Conviction, uh, old-time conviction here. Um, I, I'm not, I wonder if I'm, I'm really willing to say, Lord, use me in, in a very powerful way. I would hope I am. I would hope that I could say, Lord, I want to be exactly what you want me to be. Can you imagine if each one of us made that commitment tonight and said, I want to be exactly what God wants me to do. I want to commit everything to what God wants me to do. Imagine our church. Can you imagine what would happen if we opened ourselves up uh, to that kind of power? But you know where it comes from. It goes back to that key word. What was that key word? I know I gave you three. Do what? That's one. Daily. That was two. Right? So uh, this, is, this is one of those things. It's not like putting it in the bank and think we got it done. It's a daily. And I'm going to mention this several times. But what does it say in the Lord's Prayer? It says, give me my bread and a warehouse so I can save it, right? What's it say? Give me my daily bread. Now, I, I want you to think about that for just a second because in order for us to have a request for daily bread, what does that mean about that prayer? It's, it's going to be asked for daily, right? The Scripture teaches us over and over again. Um, our relationship with Christ requires that we do daily. That's, that's what it asks us to do is a daily uh, relationship. Let's look at Mark 2.18. There are three groups of disciples listed in this scripture. And again, I, I want to point out the disciples are more generic than, than we often think. I didn't put that on your sheet. I'm sorry. It goes like this. Now, John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Some people came and asked Jesus, how is it that John's disciples and the disciples of Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? So what three groups of disciples do we see? John, Pharisees, and Jesus. Now, our difference is we want to be like those special disciples. Mark 3.14 says, He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. And I don't know about you, but I almost read that and went, 
Aha, that takes me off the hook because he appointed 12 to go out and preach, right? And so we've got people uh, that we, we've called to go out and preach. And so, Pastor Jake, you've taken me off the hook. But that's not really what it says, is it? He called them. He called them. He calls us to settle and to, to share what he's done. Let's look at some others. I think this is on the scripture, on your page. Luke 14, 26 and 27 says this. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. So, I left you a blank there. What did Jesus do when people began to follow him? Take just a second. Write down, how would you express that? What did, what did Jesus do when people began to follow him? Say it again. Told him the cost. What else? Say it. Okay. What else? Is that what you would have done to recruit new members to the church? Well, look, you can follow Jesus, but it's tough. You can, no. We forget sometimes that Jesus says there are things that we need, we need to omit, we need to work on, um, we need to take up our cross. On your sheet there in the middle of the page, there's a blank spot. The first of the disciples' cross, if you will, just draw a circle there in the middle of the, the blank space, big enough to write in. Draw a circle. And in the middle of that circle, write the word Christ. Okay, In the middle of the circle, write the word Christ. Now, we're going to expand this later on. We're going to add the arms and the legs to the cross. But for right now, the cross represents your life. I mean, I'm sorry, the circle represents your life. So as we work through it, this is your life. And the implication is that we have put Christ in the center of our lives. And the purpose of that is to remove our self-centeredness. So that Christ becomes the number one priority in your life. Well, I left you a space there. You don't have to answer it if you don't want people looking over your shoulder, but what are your top three priorities in life? Your top three priorities in life. You can write it in shorthand if you don't want anybody to see it. What are your top three priorities? That's a tough question, isn't it? What's even tougher is try to be honest when we're sitting in church, isn't it? What is my top three priorities? 
couple went to a pastor and asked him to do do their marriage, and they were very uh, career-oriented people. And, uh, and so as part of their wedding ceremony, the pastor told them, you know, your priority should be uh, Christ first, spouse second, family third, children third, and work fourth. Now, how do we determine that? I mean, think about it. When you were thinking about what's the priority in my life, how did you go about determining that? It could have been almost anything. It could have been sport, your job, how much stuff you own, um, how often we go to church. It could have been any of those. How do we determine what our priorities are? Now, let me give you an example before you jump on me here. I sleep a lot. Um, I probably spend more time asleep than most of you. I just, I'm just a real slug of bed. So um, uh, that would tend to indicate that my number one priority in life is sleep. Well, I hope that's not the case, but it would seem like it if I just based it on hours, wouldn't it? So how do, how do we determine what's our priority in life? Okay. In my case, it's sleep. Um, I, I, I wish you'd come up with a better answer than that, but yeah, that, yeah, what's important to me? If someone said that their priority was their children, what would you expect to be true in their life? All right, time. That comes up often, right? The amount of time we spend with them. What else? Okay. Both provision and perhaps spoiling, whichever the case may be. What else? If, if, if I were to say to you, my children are my priority in life. All right. Yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Uh, We'd say that they have become uh, an important part of my prayer life. Now, you're hoping I have an answer to that question. The answer is I don't. I, I don't know how we might classify our priorities. Time is common. Time is common. Um, I thought to myself it might be that when we get to the point where we have to choose between two things, which is more important? So, you know, that classic, uh, uh, you know, razor-edge dilemma, you know, do I choose this or do I choose that? What becomes my priority in life? Well, if you were looking at your sheet, you'll notice that below your three priorities, I have a little asterisk line there. What's one thing? One action you might do this week, okay, one action that would remove an obstacle to placing Jesus first in your life. You may not want to write that one down either, but at least give it some thought. What, what, is, what is one action you could take this week between now and next Sunday that would remove an obstacle to Christ being the first priority of your life? Prayer. Okay. 
witnessing to someone. I, I think all of us face the issue of, of how do we set our priorities. You know, we, uh, uh, we have to spend time with our kids, right? Or we have to spend time with, in my case, super grandkids, super wonderful, amazing, smart grandkids. Um, was it easier back in the old days? Was it easier to, you know, to not have these issues or priorities? Because, you know, today we've got to make more money to live and we've got to be more important. And, and I don't think it was. Look at, let's look at what Jesus told the disciples. Again, that's the same scripture. If anyone comes to me, it's right there at the, in, on the page. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. So he has three things there. I set up uh, three words. So there are three things that, that Jesus tells us there. He wants priority over. So circle in the scripture where he tells us which one. And point, draw a line over to the word. So you might have done something like this. You might have circled um, father and mother, wife and children, and said, that's person. Okay, that's, Jesus wants priority over persons. By the way, family is what he points out here. Father, mother. What else would you see there? Yes, I think you're right. I think one thing we might choose would be uh, to, to circle the purpose is to, is to take up his cross. Um, he says, whoever does not carry the cross, they, they've got the wrong purpose. I want more purpose than that. How about possession? Give up everything. Give up everything. But you know, even the disciples learn gradually. You know, one of the problems of doing a study like this is that it, it kind of implies to go, okay, uh, when we all get to back together in three weeks or we finish the nine-week course, you know, we're going to graduate. We're going to have it all worked out. And it, uh, it didn't work that way for the disciples, did they? The best teacher ever, they had more time with their teacher than any of us would have. And, and did it work? No, they still had problems. They still had problems with discipleship. You know, whatever we work on takes time, doesn't it? I, uh, uh, 
Becky, can I pick on you a little bit? All right, so Becky got to come play with us in handbells tonight. And she would probably tell you that this was a, kind of a stressful situation. Uh, you know, when you, when you first come in, most people do not pick up handbells immediately. By the way, that, that includes everybody who's ever joined, Becky. Uh, nobody, it almost it takes time to work out your hand movements and to work out where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to read and, and to kind of feel what everybody else is doing. Uh, most of you did not become great cooks the first time you walked in the kitchen. If you're, if you're like most young cooks, there were probably a few times where the food went out to the dog. You cooked it, and you go, oh, this is, this, this is intolerable, and it went out, or, or maybe that's been so long you've forgotten about it. Sometime you should ask me about the cinnamon tacos that we had at our house one night. Um, however, I did eat it. I'm a good husband. So I, I, I ate it and, and enjoyed it, Trish. I thought it was one of the best cinnamon tacos I've ever eaten. Uh, you know, it takes time. What we're doing takes time. And, 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 and it's a process that's always going on. And, and no matter who we are, we, we, we're, we're working through that. It's, it's um, you know what happens to athletes when they stop playing? It all goes away, doesn't it? You take, now I'm not saying muscle memory's not there. It is. Uh, it is. You take people, uh, I was watching, no, I'm not going to admit that. I, I'll go ahead and admit it. I was actually watching Lawrence Welk last night. I'm sorry, Bob. I, I couldn't help it. Uh, Tricia made me. But I uh, was watching it, and they had uh, uh, Myron Florin on there, and he was about, he was pretty old. Uh, and you could tell that he could no longer, he was an uh, accordion player, for those of y'all who never watched Lawrence Welk. Uh, anyway, they, uh, he was an accordion player, and he was, he was a, a competition accordion player. And you could tell at this point that he could no longer do what he did. The muscle memory was there, but he could no longer play that same route. Our work with Christ, what was that key word again? Is daily. It's daily. We don't, we don't give it up. We, we don't get to be like an athlete and go, okay, my time to retire is over. It is a, a daily walk. You know, even the disciples, when you think about their lives, did they always prioritize Christ? Do you, do you remember when they, uh, they fell asleep while they were supposed to be praying? It really wasn't putting Christ first, was it? Um, can you remember when they were uh, uh, meeting with Jesus and went, well, Lord, who's going to be the most important person? I don't think they were prioritizing Christ there first to you. I think it was all about me at that point. Uh, how about when, when they arrested Jesus did all the disciples put Jesus first, or what did they do? They took off. It wasn't about Jesus. It was about me. Uh, I, I think even the disciples knew that. It, if they had drawn the circle that we just drew, would Christ have been in the middle of it? And they knew. They knew more about Jesus than we'll ever know. I think in any relationship, we want to spend time with them regularly. Um, it, I, yes, I know this, this, there are relationships that, you know, 
I, I have friends that I see after 10 years, and, and you would think the conversation just ended and started up. We all have friends like that. But the truth is, uh, is that a relationship is something that goes regularly. And that's what we're talking about with Christ, something daily. Uh, I, I really like to see Trisha regularly, and, and I like to see her daily. And, 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 and I think, I hope that makes a better relationship. Now, I was really afraid to use that example, and I wrote that down in my notes. I go, I'm afraid to use that example because Trish might stand up and go, well, I don't want to see him every day. But uh, I think in general, uh, whether she wants to or not, I think there is an improvement in the relationship as we do this. However, the really neat part about all of this is that Jesus never gave up on his disciples. He never gave up on his disciples. He didn't go out and say, okay, uh, y'all, uh, I'm sorry. Y'all can't stay awake. You're fired. I don't want you for disciples anymore. He didn't say when they ran off. Now, remember, he could have. He didn't say when they ran off from, from the garden and said, okay, that's it. You know, your life is ruined. He always wanted to work for them. Later on, if you have time, go back and look at Acts chapter 4, and we find out that after this point, the disciples learned about priorities. One of the things, and I thought this was so cool, I, I just hadn't really thought about it, but one of the things that happened was they said, I can't, they were put in prison or threatened anyway, they said, I can't but help talking about Jesus. I can't but help talking uh, about Jesus. When you talk to people, do they know what your priorities are? Now, I'm not talking about if you're in a business. Obviously, you have to do what you have to do. But if they're just conversing with you, do they know your priorities? Do they know the, the, what matters in your life? All right, so... I told Trish I wouldn't be too long tonight, so I'm going to hurry. I only have 10 more pages to go. John 15, 5. We're going to skip down just a little bit. John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So what goes in the blank? What is it? Nothing. There ought to be a joke in there someplace, isn't there? What goes the blank? Nothing. Yeah. No. I, I, that wasn't, I wasn't thinking that. Without him, you can do nothing. Do nothing to do what? To bear fruit. To be a disciple who shows something good came from being part of Christ. So let's look at a couple of things. When you abide in him, here are some things you can expect. And listen up, and, and then you tell me uh, what kind of things we could expect. In Luke 6, verse 46, it says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? So abiding in him would lead to what? Doing what he says. Doing what he says. So one one result of abiding in him is, is, is doing what he said. Number two, 
John 15, 8. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciple. So if we abide in him, what is it? We bear fruit. If we are abiding in him, we bear fruit. Three, a new command. This comes from John chapter 13. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So if you are abiding in the vine, love. Love for Yes, whether we're lovable or not, uh, love for each other. How, how will people know that you are my disciples? Because you love each other. By the way, that's you and me. Um, that, 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 that's not somebody else. It's not big people. That, the scripture is saying, uh, Ernestine has to love me and I have to love Ernestine. So uh, uh, to abide in the vine. Jordan has to love me. I have to love Jordan. Abide in the vine. It's, it's a very specific thing uh, about our relationships with each other. All right, so I, I have no doubt there was no question, even disagreement with what I brought up so far. You're bought in. I'm sure of that. Uh, and then you're going to go, Steve, that was really nice. That was nice academic material. So how do we do this? How do we do this? How do we, how, do we, how do we take that first step? Well, Willis suggests two basic things to start with. One is quiet time, and two is memorizing Scripture. One is quiet time, two is memorizing Scripture. Pastor Jake talked about this uh, not too long ago. And you might look at me after I study this and go, well, Steve, it's different. You're retired. You don't have to do anything. You got, you got all the time in the world to sit around and, and have quiet time. And uh, you got all the time in the world to sit around and memorize scripture. Uh, uh, that may be true, but we're going to talk about that in just a second. He suggests 15 to 20 minutes a day. Now, if you're not used to spending 15 to 20 minutes a day, that is nearly impossible. Let me suggest something. Mr. Willis will turn over in his grave when I say this, but why don't you try three minutes? Three minutes that you stop. Just stop and, and you spend some time with Christ. For example, if you're on the, uh, uh, the 21 days in Ephesians, uh, you, get a daily, you can get a daily email, and it takes just about two or three minutes to sit down, go through the day's scripture. Or if you're getting the audio files, you can sit down and, and click on it, and it's just about two or three minutes. Just, just enough time to stop what you're doing and focus on something that has to do with Christ. We're very lucky at our house. My daughter, Jama, uh, who lives in Knoxville, calls Tricia nearly every day, nearly every work day, nearly every work day. Now, that's really neat. Let me tell you why. They don't, well, I take that back. 
Sometimes they talk a long time, but they don't have to talk a long time. Here's what happens. When she calls us every day, we get to find out what's going on that day. Because a lot of what, a lot of what happened this week, if I didn't know about it, is unimportant when she sees me at Christmas. So I don't get to be part of that. But because she spends time with Tricia talking regularly, we get to know what's going on in her life. We get to, we get to be a part of that. And so if she has a bad day, we can be there to support her. If she has a good day, we can rejoice. It is, it's, it's that daily interaction. And, and it's just really special. And that's what we're looking for as we, we try to find time with Christ. It's important that you spend time every day. Now, what happens if you miss a day? Isn't that how this works? Uh, I don't know if y'all remember this. You remember in the old days, those of y'all are old enough, when we had to check off whether we read our Bible readings every week? Um, you know, they had on your, on your, your tithing envelopes, they, they had one of the things you had to check off. I think 10%, I think, of your grade was based on that. And boy, you'd feel so, when you're a kid anyway, you feel so guilty because you couldn't check it off. And, and you'd play games, right? You'd, you'd go, okay, uh, what if I read it all on Saturday night? Does that count? Or better yet, what if I read it all while I'm waiting for people to get to the church? Uh, that's not what this is. You know, if we miss a day, Christ is not going to excommunicate us. It's something we should try. I, I use this example for myself all the time. Just because I get to a railroad crossing and I don't look both ways doesn't mean I should never look both ways again. Here's a second example that's... that's probably more realistic. Um, just because I eat a donut today should not mean that I give up on trying to be wise in my eating habits. You know, it, because of something happened today, uh, that's, that's today. We're not, we're not thrown away as a result. Dolly's school, uh, several schools probably have this, but they have a clip uh, system for behavior. So you start off in the middle. Did you do this, Barbara? Did you make them clip? Oh, yeah, I didn't either. In fact, Dolly asked me, goes, well, how'd they do that when you were in school, Grandpa? And I go, I don't even think we had colors in. But anyway, um, you, if you're green and you are reasonably good, you get to clip up to yellow. And if you're a little better, you get to clip up to red. And if you're very good, you clip up, I'm sorry, I skipped orange. Yellow, orange, red, and then the teacher. And then you get to go to Mr. Carter, uh, the smiley face, Mr. Carter. That's the principal up at Pocahontas. If you're bad, you get to go to blue and purple, pink. I don't know where pink came from, but pink is down at the bottom. And then if that doesn't work, you go to the sad Mr. Carter and uh, the principal and the other. Now, you'll notice up here in the front of the church, there is no clipboard. There's no, if, if, you, if you said, I, uh, I tried this and it didn't work. We're not going to clip you down to blue. It, that's not the way this works. This is for us to su support each other as we go through this. Some of you are already doing this. And if you are, I hope that you will share your testimony with some of the others in here. Just taking some time to stop and, and, and spend a little time in the Scripture, spend a little quiet time to make an effort at it. Willis suggests that you should get up early in the morning. I, that doesn't work for me. I can't do that. I can't get up earlier. If I get up earlier, I'm just up earlier. Um, 
it, it doesn't work. My quiet time is throughout the day. He suggests that you have a regular place. My regular place is in my chair. That's not very creative, I know. Um, in our house, quiet time means that you stuck your fingers in your ears, and that's how it gets quiet. When I was growing up, my brother, who is, is older than I am, or was older than I am, about 12 years, uh, you didn't talk to him in the morning. That didn't work. Our relationship, my brother loved me, and at the end of the day, boy, he spent all kinds of time with me. This is a relationship between you and Christ. There's not one answer. It doesn't say, all right, if I don't get up at 4.30 and do my hour, I did it wrong. It doesn't work like that. But it is important that we work at spending uh, relationship time together. I'm going to shut up, Trish. I'll throw the other three pages away. Um, next week, thank you all so much for being here. Next week, we're going to talk about obedience, doing what people tell us to. So you thought this was hard this week. This week, we just had to stop and sit and listen. And next week, we have to actually pay attention to what he tells us to do. So let's close with a word of prayer. Thank you so very much. I hope you'll come back. Father, thank you so very much for loving us, that you never give up on us, and that really what you say is you want to be in a relationship with us. You want to love us. Help us seek that on a daily basis. In Jesus' name I pray.